0: I've had two boyfriends most of my life. I currently got legally married. Thank God it's finally legal in America. I've had some kinky sex. I have tried drugs through the younger years of my life. I am broke as shit. I have a judgment against me from some bitch down there in Florida. Hello, welcome to the end of the world. This is Anthropocene's episode 53. And today we are talking about the worldwide cultural phenomenon that is tiger king full title tiger king murder mayhem and madness from 2020 on netflix directed by eric good and rebecca shaklin although that's not super duper important and this show has taken off and become sort of the first big uh, post-covid cultural phenomenon um, because it it's really sort of right when all the shelter-in-place orders start going into place and Um, everyone has seen it and everyone has seen memes of it and everyone has an opinion on it. So we decided to do it for that reason. And also because it has some overlaps with the kinds of things that we talk about um, with one for like conservation sort of stuff. uh, But also just American culture writ large and kind of what this suggests about American culture. And you can't read into, you know, Joe exotic and be like, Oh, he's emblematic of, the blue collar American worker or whatever, but there is a lot of stuff going on within this show that is very, very American and you would be hard pressed to find it happening anywhere else.
1: Yeah, I uh we were just talking, I was thinking uh Joe Exotic is is the uh is like the Joe Dirt version of Jay Gatsby for the twenty first century. He's just <laughs> like this uh this sort of redneck uh American dream. Uh, you know, this veneer over this insane sort of backstory. Um, but I, I came across a quote by George Carlin that I think sort of sums it. What well, might be a good introduction to Tiger King and Carlin said, when you're born, you get a ticket to the freak show. When you're born in America, you get a front row seat. <laughs> And this, this show is a fucking endless parade of damaged humanity. It was, uh, to me, to me, it feels just, just right off the bat, I'll say it feels very exploitative and, uh, uh, that it sort of has its roots in kind of like PT Barnum freak
0: show stuff. Um, Definitely. And, you know, that's the that's the sort of takeaway message I feel like a lot of people are getting from this. So like, oh, everybody come, you know, gawk at Joe Exotic and his merry band of misfits and that sort of stuff. But uh, and this is something that I heard on another podcast I listened to called Behind the Bastards. The, the host was talking about how he he grew up in Oklahoma and he knew about Joe Exotic and about the the zoo, quote unquote, that he ran. But also saying that when it came to the, the characters, and by characters I mean like the, the real people that we meet, he was like, yeah, I've known people like that. Like I've known that guy and that guy. And I had the same reaction of like I would see someone talking, you know, doing one of their kind of talking head face-to-face things. And I'd be like, man, he looks just like or he talks just like or he acts just like, you know, so many just like random dudes that I've known over the course of my life, like met in random places. Um, and I feel like that's true for a lot of people. if They think about it hard enough, but it's so easy to just pull that freak show lever and be like, Oh my God, everybody come look at
1: this. Well, part of that I think is informed by, it seems to be the, the, the freak and freak show seems to be dialed up. Um, uh, for instance, John's, I'm sorry. Uh, Joe's husband, John, uh, you know, is shirtless, which I mean, how hard is it to put a fucking shirt on? And he, in that, in that, uh, supplemental episode, you know, with Joel McHale, he said, Oh, I've got tattoos. I wanted to show them off. Like I guarantee that's a producer or a director. Like it's like, you know, uh, sort of lightly coaxing him into some sort of, uh, some, something to benefit the spectacle of the film. Um, you see this guy now, and he's still, you know, uh, seems like a pretty strange guy, but, he, you know, he had a shirt on. He'd gotten his teeth fixed. He was, you know, he was wearing glasses. Like, it's, I, I'm just, just fundamentally skeptical of every single documentary I see. There's just something inherently dishonest um, about something so wildly entertaining being called nonfiction
0: except for peter and the farm (laughs) that one's (laughs) true to life because
1: that that movie goes to great pains to avoid that kind of uh you know when we talked about peter and the farm we talked about the biggest little farm in conjunction with it and we kept unfavorably comparing the biggest little farm because we can we you know we're an audience that's grown up uh in a, in a visual culture. And we understand what's not being said, um, and not being shown. And, and so Peter and the farm goes to great lengths to, you know, in some shots, it includes the filmmakers. Um, it understands and trusts its audience and, and knows that they're not naive. The biggest little farm, uh, is reality TV. And I think Tiger King, is feels more like reality TV than a documentary. You know, it's no, it's not, it's not journalism by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, no.
0: And, but uh, it's kind of interesting to look at the director because I didn't really think about the director except for, well, I didn't think about any of the crew except for when we watched Joe exotic's many music videos and also the weird one that like Carol Baskin's people put together for the, some random lady singing a song about tigers. And I thought, man, I bet when this dude or whoever decided to make this docu-series made that decision, they did not think they were going to have to sit through so many music videos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the one of the directors is Eric Good. I'm only mentioning him because he's only one of the two with a uh, Wikipedia page, almost at like a Facebook page, because I'm 50 years old. And um, he is deeply involved in conservation specifically with turtles tortoises Mm. um so he's the founder of the turtle conservancy i don't know if that's like a super legit organization or something that's like once you look into it it's a bunch of dark money or whatever (laughs) uh but it's strange that well strange is the wrong word but it's it's intriguing that he would go through such great pains to make this documentary um, because the message people are getting from this is not that kind of final takeaway message that they try to leave you with at the end of the whole series. Or they
1: they try to shoehorn it in. Yeah,
0: and that's not at all what people are getting from this. No. Um, they. It, it, I watched it last night. I finished it
1: last night and that was painfully obvious how they realized that you know, they they've got this sort of moral issue inherent in their in their subject matter and they've given it like of of the seven hours in the documentary, you know, they've given it maybe thirty minutes of of actual sort of exposure. And so they're like, oh, yeah, let's bring it back. This this is the, the real, you know, thesis. No. This is something you feel some sort of cultural pressure
0: to uh to shoehorn in at the end. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's funny cuz you the the people that you see talking the most about the the issue of you know, uh, preservation of tigers as a a thing on earth, uh it's usually the the workers that you have mostly the workers for Joe Exotic's zoo they mention like, "Oh, I don't do it because I I care for Joe or anything like that. I do it because I care about the tigers and they can't be released into the wild. And even if they were, there'd be like no place for them to be released into and that sort of stuff. Um, which is, it makes their situation like all the more depressing to me when you add in the fact that they're paid so little and exploited and abused. They're paid in uh, leftover Walmart meat. That, how nuts was that?
1: That's insane, man.
0: That Walmart was in on it, basically. Or at least that Walmart was in on it. Yeah, I, uh,
1: I, uh, there's a lot of like sympathy coming out for Joe Exotic uh, by some by some people, and I, I, uh, I don't share it. I think this guy is, it, you know, it's it's hard to pass a judgment really because. Another thing, I impression I got is that this whole series, like I was saying, it feels more like reality TV than a documentary. And it, it seems to me to mistake uh, the aftermath for the storm. Like, it does not really explore how these people came to be, who they are and what they are. Uh, perhaps the most egregious example of that is joe's husband travis who uh i guess accidentally kills himself and uh, and it comes out that he's on he was on meth and but there's so little attention given given to like who is this kid and like why is he on meth and uh, uh, and similar a similar lack of attention is given to it, it, just sort of, it just sort of introduces the characters, like, here they are, look how eccentric they are, uh, without, without probing any further into, like, why are they this way?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it really doesn't go below, or it doesn't try to delve any deeper than their connection to Joe Exotic, who's the, you know, star of the show.
1: Right. Who himself is not really delved into that, that deeply. It's just like they, they sort of, they sort of ask him, you know, about his like family history. And he gives, you know, the, the kind of, uh, abbreviated version or the, the televisable version that he wants the cameras to hear. And then that's it. Um, that's, it's just, it just feels exploitative for that reason, you know. It feels like, it feels like it would be too sad if you actually went deeper than that. And so it was like, oh, we're, we're gonna think about that because that would ruin how fucking weird and hilarious these people are.
0: Yeah, and it is deeply sad. I mean, you mentioned that the one that uh, Travis accidentally commits suicide. Yeah. Uh, sorry, dropped something. And, and he does so, you know, even though it's, it's, you know, I, I think it was accidental, but, you know, it's not, who cares whether or not it was, it happened still. Um, but, you know, they, they mentioned that he had kind of been talking about killing himself or, you know, ending it all, that sort of thing, and was not happy because, you know, he, had, Joe Exotic takes these two extremely impressionable young men with nowhere else to go and, feeds them meth until they can't think straight and gives them tigers to play with. Right. And, and who are not homosexual. Yeah. Who do it to have somewhere to live and someone to take care of them. And, you know, all these other things. Um, That it's just, that was something I sort of appreciated in a weird kind of way from the whole series is that you get this sort of, you get like different, what's a way of explaining this like the the three examples we get or i guess we get more than three but the three main examples we get of these big cat places uh it's kind of stratified by class in a interesting kind of way that i think is again very american we have carol baskin's place where it's all like on the up and up and she has the paperwork and all that shit and they make a ton of money and you have doc Antle, which is kind of in the middle where he's not really on the up and up, but he still makes a shit ton of money Mm -hmm. mostly through, you know, illegally selling tigers and that sort of stuff. And then you have Joe exotic, which is like the wild West. Like anything goes scraping by kind of Mm -hmm. quote unquote zoo or refuse to call it a zoo.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and uh, Jency and I were watching this last night talking about the sort of class, issue there and 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 i think that sort of uh, it's definitely there uh but any sort of uh condescension that you might perceive in carol and her husband uh having towards you you know being sort of condescending to joe uh for issues of class kind of go out the window when joe publishes all these videos of him like enacting, killing you, you know what I'm saying? Like that, uh, that, uh, sort of visceral experience of, uh, of watching someone say they're going to kill you. You know, the last thing on your mind is like, Oh, I, you know, he, there's no way Carol and her
0: husband are thinking,
1: <laughs> Oh, a you rough know, life. he just doesn't, he hasn't had the same privileges as we have. Like, no, fuck this guy.
0: Oh, totally. I mean, he definitely self-incriminates like over the course of years in just like insane ways.
1: I think he's a fucking moron. Oh, yeah. I mean, like... Absolutely. I think he's... uh, He's just barely there. Um, I I, I tell you who... It seems like the documentary is trying to make seem somewhat uh, aware, self-aware. Who is not at all is the the, the younger guy who Joe hires to be his campaign manager. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that guy's a fucking idiot. Oh absolutely. Uh, just because he's like, you know, he doesn't have like a a crazy hillbilly accent, and you know, dresses more traditionally. He Does went to college. He is any fucking Einstein. He got a degree in political science. Working at Walmart at the gun counter, and Joe fucking exotic comes in and says. He's got a a job for him to be a campaign manager for his, for his campaign, and, and he's like, oh, it's my dream job. Of course, like no, when that happens, you run the other way.
0: This guy that comes in like every other day to buy shotgun shells and, and and whatever that shit is that he was blowing stuff up with, yeah, um, yeah, that's that guy is interesting. Although I will give him props because in the that weird like talking dead for tiger king thing that joe mckell hosted he yeah. uh he, when he asked him he's like you said on tv uh fuck the feds and he goes yeah fuck the feds <laughs> i was like okay that that's all right in my book
1: at one point he said uh he said i mean i'm a libertarian so yeah, i mean which technically yeah fuck the feds
0: that doesn't mean anything that means that well, yeah, and, and this libertarian, all. if you recall, was arguing
1: for uh, government regulation of, of uh, zoos like like Joe's At by the end of the uh, series. So. Yeah. That, but it, I do love the part where he, he says, he says, uh,
0: Joe doesn't know what a libertarian is. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, it's like, it's true. It's also like pot kettle black. scenario yeah um but that that, the kind of talking about libertarians kind of leads me into this this other idea which is and something i've been thinking about a lot because we have these unbelievably ridiculous and stupid uh like anti shelter in place protests going on right now in places like my my beautiful home state of kentucky where the governor has been doing you know he's not perfect but he's been doing a better job than a lot of others um, and you know, people showing up to protest and saying, we have to open up the economy and this is all bullshit or, you know, this is against my freedom or, or whatever it may be. So I've been thinking about how much I despise the American idea of freedom and liberty. And what I mean by that is the common, like widespread everyday interpretation of what it means to be free that so many Americans seem to have and how, if I think about it, like all of the things I dislike about the country can kind of be traced back to that idea. And, and it kind of, you see it running rampant in tiger King in a lot of different ways, specifically when you think about like owning large animals and, and all that sort of shit and thinking and what you can get away with, um, regarding that. But just thinking about it in general, it's just been like running through my head of like American freedom. That's the problem. That's the problem with everything. Did you did you ever read uh, Jonathan Franzen's
1: book Freedom? No, it's it's sort of like the connecting thread in that novel It's like uh, the characters' uh, ability to do what they want is actually the thing; it's their downfall. Uh, and it, it reminds me of the old uh, Chris Rock bit uh, where he's talking about. He says something like you can drive a car with your feet if you want to, but that doesn't make it a good fucking idea. Oh, yeah. Like just, just because you can, just because you have the right or the freedom to do something does not mean that it's good. And, and I think you see examples of people mistaking the freedom to do something, uh, for the, uh, sort of intelligence in doing something. Yeah. Yeah always like did, did you watch that cnn video of the, of the lady? oh my god
0: is, i i'm, like I'm covered I'm in blood, covered the blood of jesus
1: I, I i'm covered in the blood of jesus yeah
0: that, in
1: his blood thank
0: you it was a, a video of people on, in
1: his blood. thank you
0: <laughs> as she's pulling he's got his six foot mic like <laughs> uh but yeah that's a, a video on cnn of churchgoers in ohio around cincinnati um that's a
1: trump era church lady
0: yeah and that was something else to see and then the the one guy at the end who like sort of knows that it's stupid but he did it anyway and he keeps trying to like it's a really common thing with people like that not meaning like religious people but just like people that are just obviously wrong on the wrong side of history where they try to turn it around but it doesn't work that way because it just makes them look dumber
1: yeah, you know, they they keep saying, and the 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 woman said it too. Uh, they could get me sick.
0: Yeah, and, and, and the like, guy goes, he's "Yeah, like,
1: exactly. You're you're just increasing the chances."
0: But, and that guy at the end who like sort of understands, he's like, he's like, "I get it, but you know, it's something." And he does that thing that like, whenever these fucking idiots get the least bit of soapbox, no matter how short it is, they're like, "Well, you know, it's a thing called liberty. It's a thing called freedom." And he's like, well, you know, you could could be making people sick. And he goes, well, let's turn around the other way. They could be getting me sick. And he goes, yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Right. It's Uh, like they have nowhere to go. It's a lose-lose
0: situation. Yeah, like literally you have no ground to stand on in this, and they just keep pushing. It's like, that's great. Have faith. Faith can be a beautiful thing, but don't, if you die of COVID, you know, when you kill a bunch of other people, that's sort of that's between you and God as well, if you believe in that. And well, we'll see how that's, well you're judged.
1: It's just like a fundamental misunderstanding where uh, people think that faith is in place of logic, rather than somehow transcendent of it. It's the
0: it's the joke about the guy, right? The guy the it's the joke about the guy in the hurricanes coming, right? Right. That's, right. Yeah. I, which
1: I think you've told on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: and and that, yeah. I love that joke because uh, for one, it's it's an interesting middle ground with religious people. When I taught at the Christian school, I kind of mentioned it in class once, and they all kind of had heard it before, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. Um, I heard that in Sunday school when I was a kid. Yeah, and which is so funny because like so many people seem to not get it or disregard it, right? It's like literally, is isn't that like a big saying of like, "God helps those who help themselves." Mm-hmm. yeah but I don't, i'm yeah. not here to argue theology i'm here to talk about joe exotic <laughs> uh, yeah that yeah, idea I'm of sure freedom, how we wandered off to that well just that idea of of when you i just you hear the word freedom like misused and bastardized so much and it's like well you know in america we're completely free and i'm like can you drive it, my students will ask that and i'm like well what if you get pulled over and you're not wearing a seatbelt? Like you were free to not wear the seatbelt, but you're still going to get a ticket for it. And you also might wreck and fly through the windshield. Like,
1: well, I mean, you, and you could say that about anything. It's yeah. Like, oh, you're free to kill someone. And then the government is free to kill you.
0: Yeah. And it's like people's idea of how free they are is just like, it's always something that has always bothered me. Cause I, if you grow up the least bit economically disadvantaged, you learn very quickly how fundamentally unfree you are. <laughs>
1: right. So. Right. And, and it's, I mean, it's,
0: it's potentially
1: a kind of, uh, you know, protesting too much. It's like the, the more you talk about how free you are, the more I start to suspect that you are oppressed in some way. Yeah. And just trying to convince yourself that you're not, yeah. right. which I mean that the, the woman in the, in the church parking lot. Um, you, you see how quickly they, both of the people that the CNN reporter interviewed, how quickly they resort to what they see as a sort of weapon against logic. Um, I'm covered in his blood. That's like they've been taught. You activated my
0: trap card.
1: Right, right. It's my get out of jail free card. I don't, I don't have to engage in this conversation. Um, but that's a, that's a retreat. That's a, you know, that's a, uh, like a fear, a place you go when you're scared, you know?
0: Well, when I'm scared, I just remember that Trump's a billionaire <laughs> and then I sleep, like money, a, I sleep like a, I sleep like a ba- baby. I did get the Trump money. I'm going to donate it all to, I don't fucking know the FARC gorillas in <laughs> Colombia or something. Um, so yeah, the, just thinking about that idea of, of freedom and all that, as it goes into, or as it fits into tiger King, because the, at the center of this is one of those weird quirks of the American judicial system, which that apparently there's just no law against owning a tiger, right? That's kind of what you're led to believe early on. I
1: guess not. Yeah. And
0: then they mention the, uh, (laughs) the, zanesville ohio when that guy let a bunch of his animals loose and you have the cop on tv that's like we got tigers we got lions we got an orangutan (laughs) and he's just like listing this menagerie of animals that's just running around and they have to end up having to shoot and kill a lot of them um which is just like the worst case scenario right and that kind of leads to like wanting to pass these bills and all that sort of stuff Um, but the legal side was really interesting to me because on top of all the other illegal shit, all these people are doing the stuff with the animal seems like it should be kind of the most glaringly obvious, but no one seems to really give a shit
1: when they do revisit it at the end. It's like the saddest damn thing in the
0: world. When they show those two
1: orangutans uh, who've been in the cage next to each other for 10 years and then Joe sells them and they're, They get to, like, hang out in a park or whatever, and they're, like, literally hugging.
0: God, yeah, but you think, like, you know, some of our closest, you know, relatives in the animal kingdom, and they're deprived of touch and and that intimacy for a decade. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Joe Exotic is self-reflective for about half a second. Right. Someone who is obviously just, like, a fucking sociopath.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there, there needs to be a, a like, journalistic investigation into uh, the real Joe Exotic, whatever his real name is, and, like, early years, because it, uh, it, it will not make good.
0: Yeah. It's funny you mention his name. Really sad. Yeah, it's funny you mention his name, because I noticed... I forget his, his birth name is something that was, like, sort of unusual. Had a Z in it. Or I forget exactly what it was. but M- Mazzato was it? No, at one point he... Like so the, the reason I bring it up is because in both cases, like, both times... He married both of the young men at once, right? And at different times, he was using both of their last names. So, he was going by Passage... Which was Dylan, his first husband, with all the tattoos, and then he was going by Joe Maldonado, which was Travis's last name. So uh, that, was oh, probably, yeah. okay. that was probably that probably part it's of his like,
1: Joseph Joseph Allen Shrave Vogel Schreiv Vogel. Vogel. Vogel Yeah, which is yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. It's like long, a very I
0: German see. name, Schreiv Vogel. Um, but
1: uh, and then
0: then it was Joseph
1: Allen Maldonado, and then Maldonado Passage.
0: Yeah, and that's probably part of his like scheme to dodge lawsuits. You know, he kept putting mm-hmm. things in different people's names and he probably changed his name a bunch. Um, but that was just another thing that I that was such a weird detail because like there's so much just awful shit jam packed into these episodes, and at one point I was like, wait a minute, he took both of his husband's last names.
1: Yeah. <sighs> He's uh It looked like towards the end of the documentary uh, or the show, I guess I should say he uh, in jail, his hair was different, but then they showed him in court and it was, he still had the, the blonde mullet. And I'm wondering how that happened and why he wanted to appear that way in court. Well, you know, something that's
0: like, fascinating and disgusting at the same time is that he's been getting a lot of donations, apparently there are yeah. a lot of people wanting to like support him. I don't know why you would want to do that.
1: Yeah. That's what I was referring to earlier. It's like, I don't understand the sympathy for this guy, especially if the, if the story, you know, the, the guy who is the, uh, like the reality TV director, I can't remember his name. Uh, Oh, yeah, that guy. He has one of the best lines. It was in that in that Rick supplemental Kirkham. episode. Yeah, in that uh, interview with Joel McHale, he's talking about he's in Norway, and he's talking about how famous he is. And was like, I can't even go down to the damn fjord without being
0: recognized. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking dude, man. That, apparently, he was addicted to crack for a while. There's another documentary about him. Oh, wow. Which uh, know, he definitely has some unhealthy tendencies based on what we see.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he tells a story, I, I think it's in the, the Joel McHale interview, about a lady dropping her horse off with Joe. Oh, Joe. Yeah, and Joe God says oh yeah sure I'll take it no problem we got plenty of room for the horse to run around free and then the lady drives off and Joe pulls out a pistol and just kills the horse on sight Uh, and says I ain't taking care of nobody's fucking horse Uh, and uh, I I mean I can't have sympathy at all when I hear if that story's true Um, I just have no sympathy that that is a i mean that's that's a psychopath sort of thing to do
0: oh yeah like i was saying like the dude is obviously just a fucking sociopath who and narcissistic and just all these overlapping neuroses that he's just sort of gone into you know with a full head of steam and has kind of left a trail of People's lives in his wake, um, you know, in different sorts of ways. So, you know, like Carol Baskin, yeah, she was tormented by him and had death threats. And I, I don't want to minimize that, even though I think she is very similar to Joe in a lot of bad ways. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's really, he kind of fucked a lot of people, um, kind of both, I guess, literally and figuratively while he was running yeah. this zoo. Um,
1: Well, and you can tell that that's true because of how little pressure his supposed friends feel to have any loyalty when he's in trouble. They all were like,
0: nah, fuck this guy. Yeah. On that follow-up, they're all like, no, he should be in jail. Some of them were opposed to whether or not he should die in jail, but none of them seemed opposed to the fact of him being in jail. Yeah. Yeah. And when I I think it
1: was uh, Saf who explains that you know uh he doesn't want joe to to die in jail but maybe maybe this is a good place for him right now
0: yeah Seth, who lost their arm to a tiger and just had it amputated like didn't want to go through the trouble of the physical therapy and you have to wonder like even though you know he didn't really express any regret for it and said it was the right decision to make. I wonder how much the sort of connection to the zoo and to Joe and to the work, how much that played into making that decision of like, Oh, I can't miss that time. Mm -hmm. Cause that's basically like a cult atmosphere where it's like the dedication to working with the animals becomes sort of the thing that's keeping everyone together in this community that really should not exist.
1: Well, they were also desperately poor.
0: Oh, that. the workers, because yeah, that's who he's targeting, and they were saying, "Oh, he's helping yeah. these people." It's like, no, he's targeting them.
1: Yeah, and uh, they get what, like a hundred bucks a week? Is yeah. that what they say? And they eat
0: off the Walmart meat truck. That's ins- I mean, that's just that's slavery. Mm-hmm. And you saw the conditions they're living in these double wide trailers. not even double wide trailers. I don't think. Yeah. Um. With like no air conditioning, like running water electricity like it's just full of rats and shit like it's just amazing what they were and they the, the thing that i don't get and I, I sort of i've never had an experience with a large cat so like maybe if i did it would change my mind but they keep talking about how it's the sort of magic of being around these big cats and i just don't get it no it's it's some sort of like
1: sexual thing you know it, it, i don't think it's any coincidence that all these people who who want to be seen as uh controlling or in some way in charge of you know the king of the jungle um also just have this weird ability to control uh people especially sexual partners uh there's there's some weird overlap with like uh, I, I don't know uh, I, I don't know deep deep down in the in the unconscious there is some sort of connection between I mean pus- pussy and big
0: cats like I thought you were just gonna say pussy and pussy I mean I mean I think that
1: that phrase probably is a manifestation of what I'm talking about well, that- but uh it, it's very strange
0: what i forget what, what was his name jeff jeff lowe who is like hey, somehow shit. somehow the scummiest person in the show in my opinion what is he uh, like 60
1: and he's rocking like he he dresses like he's a, a rapper or like a wannabe rapper like what the fuck is going on with that guy
0: Oh, yeah. Wearing all the, like, har- like a Harley Davidson jacket with an affliction shirt, and he's always got a hat on because he's bald. And, and he wears,
1: like, jeans that he got at, like, Aeropostale in 2006.
0: Yeah, he but like bought all of his shit at the Buckle. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's, it, that dude is so just, up. Well, I will give him this. One thing I will concede to Jeff Lowe is that he's very upfront about what a big old piece of shit he is. Yeah, like he's not hiding it from anyone. He's talking about like how hot his nanny is, and he like he fuck yeah, we're having a baby fine, but the nanny's got to be hot so I can so I can fuck her. Like that's that's some next level, just being a piece of shit. What was what was very strange was uh, another thing
1: Jency and I were talking about is in that supplementary interview. His uh, I guess it's his wife or his girlfriend. Her name's Lauren. Mm-hmm. She's she seems. Like, relative to everyone else, uh, I mean, she's she's very pretty and, and not, like, in a, in a you know, sort of crass, you know, she wasn't, like, showing a lot of skin, sort of pretty. Uh, just, like, a very pretty young woman and seemed relatively self-aware. And it, I was just like, what the fuck is she doing with this dude?
0: <laughs> yeah, It, it makes kinda,
1: no sense. This is, like, like, 60. She's probably 25.
0: Uh, it, I just, she had the, I had think a kid with him. Like it kind of makes you wonder. Like my my theory is is sort of like with uh, Joe Exotic, he Jeff Lowe got a hold of her young, and yeah. she has sort of just invested basically her whole young life into him, yeah. and so now she's like, well, I have to. This is all I have. So like, I have to be in his corner.
1: Let's like we need somebody needs to start the campaign for like her to leave. Like, (laughs) there's still time to save your life and your child's life. Yeah, that's
0: just this. Like thinking about it makes me tired. (laughs) So much weird shit, and we haven't even talked about Doc Antle yet well he's Bogovan. got a hell of a ponytail
1: I, I love maybe my favorite moment in the documentary is very early on when you were sort of meeting doc Antle, and he is instructing the director and the camera crew of tiger king uh how to uh film the upcoming shot he's like oh you're gonna want to zoom in here and get kind of a close-up uh, and then the, he leaves the car and you can hear the director and he's like, Oh, that was awful. Nice of him to set up our shop for us. <laughs> and then they do exactly what he said as if to say, fuck you, you know, uh, but they include their conversation here.
0: Man, I was like, probably my favorite, or at least like the most level headed person maybe is the lady we meet in Iowa who was part of his harem who got well, out yeah maybe
1: she seems level-headed but like how the fuck did that happen
0: yeah like it and all the shit of like changing your name you live in this basic basically like a cubicle we're gonna you're getting a you're getting breast implants and you're, you have no say in it like it's just it's happening like that's just, and like I, I don't that's what i'm saying like the cult aspect of it and like the tiger aspect and the sexual aspect is something that's just like it it completely alien to me because I can't imagine getting there and being and looking at Doc Antle with his soul, his like bleach blonde soul patch and his name's fucking Bhagavan and like shit like that and being like, I have to fuck that guy. Like I just don't, I don't get the power dynamics. I'm too much of a like oppositional shithead. Like I just don't get it.
1: Well, and, and another thing Jensen and I were talking about is, There's like, like polygamy is, is a part of many like traditional cultures. You know, it's not like this sort of like, uh, cultish aspect is not, uh, intrinsic to polygamy. Um, but maybe it is in, in a, in this, in whatever world we're being exposed to in Tiger King, it seemed like like i was saying it seems like this like impulse to be in control of of wild animals is somehow part of this impulse to want to control human beings
0: yeah like in uh, control is a big part of it which is why it's so darkly humorous to see that joe exotic is so out of control i'm thinking specifically of the that scene where he's trying to film something and the tiger like grabs his foot and is like dragging him off
1: because oh, somebody sprayed like cologne on his boot
0: yeah and, and he's like freaking out and like shoots the, his gun to like get the tigers to leave him alone it's just like this is somebody somebody, who,
1: somebody says joe exotic is terrified of
0: yeah that oh, was i can't it's the guy who has the prosthetic legs i believe yeah i can't remember his name but was,
1: that's how he likes to be identified
0: yeah i'm, I'm sure it is uh <laughs> who's actually like one of my favorite people because he seemed like he was fairly level-headed given the other people in that in the orbit there um, yeah, he
1: sort of seemed like he understood how fucking crazy everything was
0: i think his name was john i think he was john maybe i'm wrong but um uh, yeah, but in the that follow-up thing, he's like, oh, it's funny because he was terrified. Or maybe, no, maybe it was the guy with the long blonde hair. One of the two of them was like, oh, it's funny that he's the Tiger King, but he's terrified of these cats.
1: Yeah, and now he himself is in a
0: cage. Dude, There's a lot, of, a lot of irony to be had. They they fucking love that analogy, don't they? They just kept yeah. beating it. To him, every
1: like, every character at the end like commented on that.
0: Yeah. Um, but uh, another favorite Jeff Lowe probably my favorite Jeff Lowe moment is when him and his girlfriend or wife or you know I forget I don't know if I'm married or not they're in the the enclosure with like a lion playing with it and then the lion starts like playing kind of rough and mm-hmm. Jeff Lowe like tells the wall he's like get out of here and she like gets up and run it runs and then they spray the lion with a hose yeah to, like get it up. and it's so funny to me because the lion like does something that's a little bit aggressive and in response Jeff Lowe does like this is a fucking cocker spaniel that just pissed on the rug and like pushes the lion's head down like slams it down as if he could ever in one million years hold this fucking enormous king of the jungle cat down right right and I think it's Saf
1: who says uh, uh, Joel McHale asks uh, him I guess Saf identifies as a man uh, uh, you know did you struggle with the with the tiger and she's like or he says uh, uh, no there's no struggle like there's <laughs> yeah. no fight there's that's not a possibility
0: it was like, it lasted about a minute until the tiger was done. And then it was over. Yeah. So I just,
1: I just made the mistake of clicking on these uh, page of memes and there's a picture, (laughs) there's a picture of the Jonas brothers and it says the 2020 we wanted. And then beneath that, there's a picture of Joe and his two husbands uh, it says the 2020 we got.
0: Oh yeah, oh, their wedding god. photos or something else. Yeah, like shirtless and a cowboy hat. Just <laughs> the whole aesthetic, the whole Joe Exotic aesthetic. It, oh my god, I oh, almost forgot. I'm gonna black out. Like the <laughs> when after Travis, you know, tragically kills himself, the memorial service. Where his, where his mom is. Yes. And then Joe performs. Yes. And Joe talks about his balls. Not his balls. Oh. He talks about the yeah. deceased's balls.
1: Uh, it's That that may be where I like really, really just sort of tuned out in a way. Like, like what the fuck am I looking at?
0: Yeah. That was like... Or listening to. And he performs lip syncing because, you know, that's not his voice. And... It, just like that was the part where it's like it kind of breaks you a little bit of like this poor young man's mother sitting there as this fucking clown of a human being is is putting on a show
1: talking about her son's balls
0: yeah putting on a show for himself basically
1: did you ever see that it was only one season. There's a show, uh, that Bo Burnham made called Zack Stone is going to be famous.
0: No, but you, you've talked about it before. The, f- the first episode, he,
1: he learns, I can't remember if it's a family member or a family friend dies and he's, you know, he, all he wants to do is be famous. And so he takes the, uh, funeral visitation as a, uh, 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 venue for him to perform and become famous and like that is a you know preposterous joke in that show and that is exactly what's happening in in that scene in the tiger king yep
0: god it's just there's so many awful things and like again the the focus is never on you know the tigers and the lions and all these things and These wild animals being kept in captivity and the fact that their their natural habitat is quickly disappearing or already gone. Instead, it's all, well, did Carol Baskin feed her husband to tigers, which of course she did. (laughs) I have no doubt in my mind that that happened, because why the fuck wouldn't it like the The thing you learn watching Tiger King is try to extrapolate what you think the worst, weirdest possible outcome for the event can be. And then it's beyond that. It's way worse than that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: What's the, what's the most inappropriate thing Joe could do at Travis's funeral? Uh, He could, you know, disrespect, uh, you know, disrespect the family. And he gets up there and talks about his balls. Like, it's just beyond every
0: goddamn thing. Beyond every goddamn thing,
1: it's just beyond every goddamn
0: thing. There ought to be a law. I'm covered in his blood. Thank you, <laughs> God. That lady, the lady rolls. Like to be she honest, like good for her. My
1: fucking dreams.
0: Good for her. You know, she's she she sleeps like a baby at night. She like, "I go to the store every day." <laughs> so Walmart, cool. Home Depot. I'm up in it. I'm blood. in. She's basically like I'm in these streets. I'm covered in his blood thank you. I I was
1: talking about that meme with my friend or that video with my friend and I thought, in what universe does someone say why are you going out in public you are going to get someone sick during this pandemic and an acceptable answer in a human being's mind is I'm covered in his blood. Like how is that a rational, or even God. even in any sense logical response. Give me the blood. I want the blood. <laughs>
0: Give me the blood, Lord.
1: Let me get away.
0: Uh, so so terrible. <laughs> it's just it's so funny. It's like I, I, that video is such a good like counterpoint. Or not even counterpoint. Like a companion to Tiger King. <laughs> just everything that's happening. It's just like you watch Tiger King and you think here's what I, what I sort of think goes on. People watch Tiger King and they're like, well, thank God. I don't live in that world. It's like, no, you lit you totally live in that world. It's going on all around you. You just don't see it that way because you're the protagonist of reality. You know, you're the star of the show. Nothing bad will happen to you because that's how you feel. Um, but no, like this, it's a fucking three ring circus all the time with just like the worst possible people in all of the positions of power. All of your enemies are prospering.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was, I was thinking that, uh, let's, let's just say hypothetically that, uh, um, Walt Whitman's, uh, leaves of grass is, sort of emblematic of the sort of Lincoln era of America. I think Tiger King is that for the Trump era. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It's, it's, it's the epic of the time. Oh fuck. It it sort of exudes our sort of national character.
0: (laughs) Fuck. Doesn't it though? Like, it's just so like, it's just like, I don't know. It, how appropriate was it? Like, have you ever been to Myrtle beach?
1: I no, I have not.
0: I, I think it's very appropriate that doc Cantle's thing is in Myrtle beach. When I saw it, I was like, Oh, of course it is. I'm surprised I haven't been there before. <laughs> and then I realized how expensive it was. And I was like, that's why I've never been. Um, <laughs> but if you've ever been to like one of those, like Carolina beaches, not the fancy ones, or if you've been to like a beach on the Gulf, Like, that's a very kind of, like, the whole Tiger King aesthetic was very similar to that in my mind. Yeah. And, I don't know, it's just.
1: Sorry, I turned on that video again with the the church lady. (laughs) (laughs) The first time she says it, she's smiling.
0: And then she gets, like, agitated. She's like, she I, I said, I'm sh- covered in the blood of Jesus.
1: Like, right. she thinks the guy's like on her side, and he's going to be like, "Oh, you know, God points for you." Well,
0: well, good night, madam.
1: <laughs> Thanks for clearing matters up. You've cut me to the quick. Oh fuck! What was the last thing you said? I was, I was,
0: I, I was talking about in
1: the, in the church, ladies. I,
0: I was making some vague point about. The, the general kind of American aesthetic going on and how it's very much like a lot of beaches, a lot of beach oh, towns yeah. are like uh Gatlinburg, that kind of thing.
1: Or, uh, uh, Branson, Missouri, which yeah. is m- like middle America Gatlinburg.
0: Yeah. But like worse, I think, cause I think it's more religious somehow. Is that
1: possible? I, my grandparents on my, on my dad's side had their 50th, uh, uh, wedding anniversary and slash family reunion in Branson, Missouri. They live or, or lived in Denver, right outside Denver, Colorado. And the whole uh, clan flew to Branson, Missouri to see a bunch of shows and and eat he, some nice steak dinners together.
0: Have you had the rolls? Here the rolls are good. It's like no, ma- any of those restaurants in, in Branson or Gatlinburg or anywhere. You could just be like, if someone asks you if you've ever eaten there, it'd just be like, oh yeah, the rolls are delicious. And they're like, they really <laughs> are.
1: Yeah, they, they give
0: you so much butter. Yeah. There was
1: some Every, place. Everywhere is Applebee's.
0: <laughs> there was some, I forget the name of it, but there was a place in uh, Gulf Shores. Uh, that we drove, we kept seeing that was like the home of throwed rolls. And I'm assuming they just like throw the rolls at you and you catch them. And that's their big gimmick. Throwed (laughs) throw. Yeah. Throwed roll. It's on a bunch of billboards. Uh,
1: God damn it. There's just so many things. Jensie showed me this uh, Biden's new like attack ad on Trump where he's talking about how Trump hasn't been hard enough on uh, China. Or it's like, oh, yeah, the problem with Trump is that he's not racist enough. Uh, I, I just watched that video. I'm like, I fucking hate America sometimes. Like, it is embarrassing. You watch Tiger King, it's embarrassing. You watch Church Lady, it's embarrassing. You see the Democratic candidate uh, attacking Trump for not being racist enough against China, embarrassing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What the fuck? That's I'm why drinking, I'm <laughs> pouring another glass of wine. I'm I'm I've had it.
0: That's why the best American artist is Wayne White. He gets it. <laughs> he's 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 tapping into the
1: the fundamental absurdity at our at the core.
0: Yeah, he he understands. He gets it. It's just like I don't know. You, you <laughs> I was thinking about like <laughs> in the 1800s we had like Emerson's the American scholar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now we have Tiger King, basically. And, right. you know, like, right. uh, America was always kind of a shithole when you think about it. But now yeah, it's like. I mean, just
1: we, like, literally at that time, like the late 1800s, we had freak shows. Like, that's when that was a thing. And yeah. this is just now we have video
0: cameras. Spectacular shit show. Right. Like, yeah. the, the empire is dying with a pretty flamboyant bang.
1: And hats off to it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, what did what did I say? Like, God, we were talking. Me and Lava were talking about, um, fuck what? Like tax refunds or like something from the government. Like hadn't arrived yet or something. The government hadn't done something yet. And she was like, "Just why is it taking so long?" And I was like. You've had so many interactions with the government that have all been like shitty and taken forever and been bad, and yet you still like have this idea that it's going to work. I was yeah, like, we, like your, we,
1: your optimism is not one
0: Like we're we're, it's not unfair. It's just the way shit works. Like we live in a crumbling empire. Things are going to take forever, and then maybe not even happen at all. Like it's just how it's going to be. Yeah. It's yeah. like it, ugh, it's just so so crazy.
1: That's why people resort
0: to I'm
1: covered in this blood.
0: It's beca- blood because it beca- they have
1: no, no real agency, no real desirable mobility. It's just, we've got to retreat to some sort of fairy tale. And that's not to say, not to say religion as a fairy tale, but Ooh, uh, a some... certain, a certain, certain iterations. I'm covered in this blood is a fairy tale.
0: Um, I was thinking of, like, high school edgelords that, like, go in the library and put the Bible in the fiction section. They're like, ooh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's kind of funny. I keep contrasting that video with the pictures I keep seeing of of the, the mosque in Mecca just completely empty because the Saudi government has locked everything down. Um, not, you know, the Saudi government's horrible, but they're doing that right.
1: Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, even even someone, uh, people who do so many things wrong, uh, can at least get this right. Can at least understand. Let's not kill everyone.
0: Yeah, if we can help it. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking we get back to work probably no later than the first, right? I mean, we got to open this economy up, right?
1: I mean. I wish you, I was hoping for Easter, honestly, but, uh, well,
0: you know, he can only rise so many times, Will. He is fucking risen, bro. Anyway, uh, back to Tiger King, I guess. I I, I want to talk about like,
1: (laughs) there's just like this tone of defeat in our voices. (laughs) Like even, even before you just said that, when we started the episode, it was like the, the, Uh the real sort of theme of this show is just like sort of spiritual reluctance to keep going
0: oh yeah oh yeah because it's like i'm all about trying to embrace the absurd but this is a little on the nose you know
1: i'm i'm halfway halfway done uh with a bottle of bourgeois right now so uh you know uh
0: cheers (laughs) bottoms up we're all gonna die um but yeah the the animal rights stuff was kind of interesting because I feel like it's mentioned in the documentary, but I don't know if it's really given uh, the length that it deserves. And I'm not talking specifically about the like conservation stuff, which obviously they just like skip over. But the, the, the fact that PETA had been trying to kind of take down all of these people, except maybe Carol Baskin because she's, she's got her papers in order and, um, but they fucking yeah, hate As Joe long Exotic. as humans
1: aren't animals, PETA's got no beef with
0: her. <laughs> so, um, you know, they've been trying or they're trying to shut down Joe Exotic. They're trying to shut down Doc Antle. It's kind of funny to think about, like, how they have all this bureaucratic kind of weight and funding behind them. And, like, think about how many celebrities are pro PETA um, and they could just never nail this guy kind of shows you what a a low priority things like this are within the Mm -hmm. American government. And, you know, I'm not saying that they should be top of the list, but I think maybe they should be a little bit higher than they are. And it kind of makes me think about, um, we started watching Mrs. America, which is like a FX show about the women's liberation movement in the seventies. Um, and there's a, the character that Phyllis Phyllis Schlafly um, and they're talking about her entering government. She was this conservative anti women's lib, anti equal rights or amendment activist and uh, talking about her being in government. it's like, uh, Oh, maybe I could be on the armed services committee. And the, this guy's response is they'll just stick you on, on a fuck. What was it? On, a, on natural resources it's like it'll just bury you on natural resources and that'll be mm. and i was like oh yeah because that's so incredibly trivial <laughs> right, right. it's just kind of uh, thinking about you know priorities is kind of interesting because you know the number one priority in this country has always been the military right because we're just a poorly constituted crumbling empire with a big army right we're a failed state with a big army as i've heard some people say um <laughs> and so you know it makes sense that we would pump all of our money into that but then even after that like we, we don't get it to stuff that I think is important until like number 10. Right. So it's kind of depressing deeply to think about.
1: Yeah. Um, especially, especially, I mean, just the history of conserva- uh, American conservation speaks to this, but um, when you look at sort of the, the state of American of the American landscape and, and, and like, I don't know if you, attention to just how fucking ugly the zoo like that joe exotic runs is like how poorly landscaped oh, yeah. and curated it is it's 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 despicable like how anyone paid to go walk around there for an hour is just beyond me um but it, but it's just i mean that's that's emblematic of of the rest of america it's not like exceptional um The rest of the country is destroyed, too. Uh, And and then, like you said, there is that weird moment where at the end where Joe is kind of briefly self-aware and he's like, I just got wrapped up in the tigers or I got wrapped up in the fame and forgot about the animals. It's like, yeah, Um, your your uh, late self-awareness does not excuse your lack of it in the moment.
0: Yeah, and you know, fame is a fame is definitely a big kind of running theme in this docuseries series because it's obviously what Joe Exotic is aiming for the whole time. He starts his own fucking internet channel, right? Which I'm kind of surprised I'd never heard of that because I've been to some weird corners of the internet. Cake farts. <laughs> yeah, you know all, all the all the hits. Um, so. You know, now the big, you know, we mentioned that the, they were obsessed with this kind of trope of, well, now he's the one in a cage. They also got really obsessed with, oh, well, now that he's as famous as he wanted to be, he's in prison and can't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, fame is obviously like a big driver for all three of the sort of tiger mob bosses. Um, I mean, Carol Baskin. Is is just like more well funded and more accepted, but she has all these people coming out and working for free for like years to get a fucking blue t shirt. (laughs) Oh yeah, that was weird. And you know she has the same shit that Joe has as far as an internet presence goes. And it's just uh, it's I can't. I'm having a I'm having trouble. It's sort of like when you read Child of God about Cormac McCarthy. I'm having trouble (laughs) empathizing with these characters. Yeah,
1: and I think that's a testament to your uh,
0: mental health. I God, I hope so. I feel like it, I thought I was losing my mind, and then I watched Tiger King. I'm like, no, I think I'm okay for, <laughs> for a little while longer. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah I I'm kind of curious to to take it back to politics. Like, like I said, I, I feel like this show is is sort of very much. Uh, part of the, the kind of Trump era, uh, zeitgeist. Um, and it, it makes me wonder, like, you know, how kind of the big shock of Trump's winning the election, everyone sort of said, oh, well, clearly the, uh, sort of media centers of the world of, of America have lost touch with rural America. And it makes me wonder if, if something this, uh, popular like like Tiger King, and this rooted in middle America, rural middle America uh, had come out before Trump. Would the reaction be the same? Would it impact how people perceive rural America? Um, just like what sort of impact would some you know some sort of just mega hit like this? that features so heavily kind of, you know, in quotes, redneck rural America, what impact would that have had politically? Obviously I have no clue what the answer is, but it's, I think it's worth thinking about.
0: Yeah. And it's, um, the Trump's victory kind of started, or I guess restarted or kickstarted a whole trend in a kind of rural American anthropology Right. If everybody trying to like understand how could this happen? Well, obviously it was the, the pores, but how do we, how do we understand them? <laughs> the yeah. Obviously it's it the was pours. the pores, but how do we, how do we get into their head? How do we, and basically like they're doing everything except going back to phrenology and the, even some people are probably doing that. i um, trying to understand like, what could you possibly see in someone that's promising you to burn down the status quo that has been, you know, stomping on you your whole life like what could you possibly see in someone who seems to be the only alternative to that right and i didn't think that way and i know trump's a fucking charlatan and hopefully we look back on this period with the fucking embarrassment that it deserves but i I, at the same time i understand why someone would look at him and be like well you know what i voted in every election for however many years no one's ever done a damn thing to lift a finger for me Fuck it! I'm gonna pull the lever for that guy and let's see. What, you know what? What does it matter? What am I losing?
1: And and the and the belief that uh, Hillary Clinton is some sort of like liberal liberator is is as pathological as the faith in Donald Trump as some sort of oh, savior.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And she's. I mean, they're both fucking monsters, but like to say that she's somehow better, she's probably worse. She has way more bodies on her head. I'll tell you that you talk about having blood yeah. on your hands and um, let's just reiterate fuck trump
1: i mean fuck oh, yeah, for sure fuck him hard for but, sure but i'm not going to you know no one should uh, no one should have to settle for the lesser of two evils and that's that's exactly what's going to happen in this next election i don't think uh, by uh, i don't no, I'm not i'm not saying biden's going to win i'm saying no. even if he does it's the lesser of two evils
0: i just don't want to think about it i don't think we'll i don't think we're gonna have an election (laughs) one way or another um we'll see what happens somehow you just
1: added another lesser or like a more evil uh possibility to my lesser of two evils
0: it's like uh, a well i mean it's like i said it's reality is tiger king you try to plan for all the contingencies, but there's always something just like beyond your reckoning is going to occur. I just imagine like
1: in like 200 years someone like digging up wreckage and uh, like from from the American Empire and they stumble upon your hard drive and they they have the technology to you know to fix it and put it back together and they listen to this podcast. And the first thing they hear is you saying, you know, reality is Tiger King. And they think it's like some sort of like scriptural, you know, sort of like uh, <laughs> Confucian saying. <it. laughs> and then they find out, they like find Netflix and uh, and they're like, oh, no, that, that was not scripture at all. That was a lament. <laughs> if that was scripture, it was like Ecclesiastes.
0: Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, this podcast is is contemporary Ecclesiastes <laughs> but yeah I mean uh, I'm just, there are there are a whole lot of Joe exotics out there in the world yeah yeah I put it that way and everyone thinking like oh well we have to elect somebody that's gonna you know, we need to elect an adult, someone that will bring back norms. Norms are down the fucking toilet, man. Like, grow up. Grow the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, 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 and really, that
1: just sort of reveals the naivete of, of, like, what people think the normal was. Like, things were fucking awful before Trump happened, before coronavirus happened. The world was a goddamn nightmare in the Obama era, if you had paid attention. Uh, certainly in the bush era and uh uh, trump's just a you know it's just too stupid to to hide how fucked up he is uh obama and bush were not Uh, so i mean it's a shit show i don't want to go back to normal uh that's not to say i like things the way they are but I, i i'd like to think we can use it as a catalyst to get us to a place we haven't been before as a, as opposed to a catalyst to get us back where we were.
0: Yeah. I like to think that, you know, there's something on the horizon kind of waiting to be born. Right. And, and hopefully, hopefully it's not, you know, the beast slouching toward Bethlehem. Hopefully it's, it's something <laughs> a little bit nicer. Well,
1: Regardless, I'm covered in this blood. Thank you.
0: If there's if you take two lessons from this podcast is that you need to be covered in the blood of Jesus and that Trump is a billionaire. Hello. Did you get that? Get what? No. Shit.
1: I was trying to play the church lady. I'm obsessed with this video.
0: I bet her name is like Brenda, like Johnson. That <laughs> that's the name I'm going with. B J. <laughs> oh, oh uh, B J. That's not blood. Tell you what. Well,
1: Tiger King is a show on Netflix that we've been discussing. Yeah.
0: And, you know, people have been talking about they're like they feel like they're morally irresponsible or like uh, it's unethical to watch it. I I don't agree. I think it's unethical that these people, you know, exist in the first place, (laughs) like that that these situations are able to exist. But, you know, that's who am I to tell them that they can't have their freedom, right? That their precious freedom they need so bad. Can I ask you about your decision to go to church to be inside that building? I wouldn't be anywhere else. Aren't you concerned you could infect other people if you get sick inside? No. People who don't go to this no.
1: church? No. I'm covered in Jesus' blood. I'm covered in Jesus' well, blood.
0: other people who don't go to this church who you might encounter? All of these people go to this church. No, but you're going to be in places where other people... I go are. to the
1: grocery store every day. I'm in Walmart, what? Home Depot, all of those people. could get them
0: sick from what happens They
1: could the get me sick, but they're not because I'm covered in his blood. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a poem. <laughs> They could give me sick, but they're not because I'm covered in this blood. Thank you very much.
0: Just everybody talks like Trump now. We think Trump is like some crazy wild idiot jackass, and he is. But there are people so just out in the world. Else. Yeah, there are plenty of people out in the world just talking like that. I
1: remember after Trump got elected, uh, I saw. Uh, I've got the I've got the actual like physical disc of of the show True Detective season two. And the, like the tagline on the front of that uh, DVD cover is "We get the world we deserve." I was <laughs> like, "That
0: is perfect!" Like this, we get the world we deserve. Did you get that picture of Nick Pizzolato I sent you. Is was that actually him? Yeah, just buff as shit, hanging out on his deck with no shirt on, typing. What
1: was the caption?
0: Oh, I don't remember, but that oh, it was that uh, like
1: you? killing time so time doesn't kill me or something like that
0: (laughs) so yeah it's like of course he's like some crazy like gym rat guy (laughs) Uh,
1: i was thinking i I came across this uh last night uh just quite accidentally i want to read a brief passage i want to see it sort of relates i mean very tangentially to uh some themes of tiger king I want to see, I'll tell you, this is a philosopher. I want to see if you can name the writer. Are you ready? Yes. A first example, merely as an introduction. In all ages, one has wanted to improve men. This, above all, is what morality has meant. But one word can conceal the most divergent tendencies. Both the taming of the beast man and the breeding of a certain species of man has been called improvement. Only these zoological termini express realities, realities to be sure of which the typical improver, the priest, knows nothing, wants to know nothing. To call the taming of an animal its improvement is in our ears almost a joke. Uh, Nietzsche? That is exactly correct. Yeah, sounds like him. Twilight of the Idols, because
0: he had to throw he had to throw shade on priests in there. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's uh, later in that passage he says, uh, "There he lay now, sick, miserable, filled with ill will towards himself, full of hatred for the impulses towards life, full of suspicion of all that was still strong and happy. In short, a Christian."
0: <laughs> Butts. Uh, yeah, yeah. But... Got it.
1: Now I was just I I picked up that book. Just randomly last night, and uh, was just thinking about it because of the the issue of taming, uh, you know, this idea of the the normalization of zoos in America. How it's this sort of fun thing. It's like, oh, should we go to the movies now? Let's go to the zoo, uh, and and how it's a, a completely different moral equation, but how. I don't think that that passage is completely, you know, out of left field because we we kind of have this uh, connection in our American minds of morality with uh, uh, it's essentially dominion. Like it is good for us to be in control of these wild animals, and it is not at all. Uh, we we should have basically nothing to do with them except for um maintaining a a world in which they can thrive and do their tiger thing
0: yeah and that's you know as we mentioned they they touch on that for about two seconds but i don't know that it's just this idea that even if they were to release these tigers these are tigers that have been raised in captivity and like would they even be able to thrive and like where would they go?
1: Right. It's like, yeah, we're past, we're past the point of the moral decision.
0: Yeah. Like we ship a cell. Right. And so we're just kind of stuck in a shitty situation. Um, but it's like, know. we
1: just need to build a zoo and the, uh,
0: as big as we can and not let anyone come to it. Yeah. That, that's the, the problem is not, well, I don't know. Well, this could probably be controversial. The problem is not the zoo itself. The problem is that the zoo is a capitalist money making venture that that people pay to visit right like you should have something so, more like a, i mean it, de-
1: it depends on the conditions
0: yeah but even so like is being raised in captivity like inherently unethical like there are a lot of people that would probably say yes but but you know you think of more like a preserve or like something like they might have in you know in africa or somewhere else where you have just like all of this land that is just sort of set aside no hunting this is where the animals live no development that sort of stuff yeah uh, but then you have poachers and shit which is like humans are just like this is why like say what you want about freud but like death drive is a thing <laughs> like oh, yeah. we yeah we want to destroy every fucking thing That's true um
1: uh, i i don't really give much credence uh to freud i know we were talking about uh, last week i think it was we were talking about how maybe two weeks ago how how we do appreciate freud but really once i saw that cnn video and i realized i was covered in his blood
0: <laughs> i just it's just not
1: that important you know that
0: that that blood of christ just be hitting different <laughs> Goodness, I'm covered in his
1: blood. Thank you. The fetishization of blood in the Christian religion is just mind-boggling.
0: Yeah, like what the
1: fuck are you talking about?
0: What well, can't it be like, jizz? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I'm covered in
1: his jizz. Thank you. I'm covered in the semen. Thank you very much. Uh,
0: no, yeah, I mean blood's important, right? yeah oh god are you sure i'm o positive (laughs) lord so yeah like tiger oh well we didn't talk about it but I, i don't even remember this this jerk off's name but the the guy on the jet ski oh uh uh nate something is that how fucking dope was that that. He reminds
1: me of it. Uh, reminds me that scene in uh, Eastbound and Down. Yeah, man, Kenny Powers.
0: It's like a. It's like I've been telling people this is like Cormac McCarthy and Danny McBride like co-wrote a series.
1: <laughs> so, so you say, Danny McBride and Cormac McCarthy? I'm saying Gatsby meets Joe
0: Dirt. Yes, it's just except the blue light is like the blue light specials at Kmart. You remember those?
1: Oh yeah. yeah
0: yeah. um who do you think you're talking to but i i I guess like the the takeaway message if we have one that i want people to have is you know it's not that we're it's not that we're we think you should look down on these people or make fun of them or even necessarily like empathize with them because they're so, so difficult to do so but you should take a look at the system that we live in that has allowed this to occur, that has allowed these people to accumulate wild animals and followers and money and all these things. And they should not be ashamed. We should all be ashamed.
1: And, and also the system that, that uh, puts somebody like the the filmmakers in their position to make money off of these people. While I, I, I tend to seriously doubt that, these you know the characters of the film are are coming close to getting rich off this
0: oh yeah so yeah like there's it, it, to go, take it back to Nietzsche like when we watch this we're staring into the abyss but it's staring right back <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh what are we doing next week fuck this
0: <laughs> next week we're fu- okay it's for real this time we've said we're doing this movie like four times but we're actually going to be watching Roma uh 2018 Alfonso Cuaron beautiful artistically you know sonorous just like fantastic film that will have stuff to say and it'll actually be life-affirming as as opposed to making you want to jump off a bridge
1: yeah it's like less a palate cleanser and more like a
0: a spiritual necessity. This is like slash and burn <laughs> version <laughs> of, of the podcast. Um, so that's what we'll be doing next week. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've only seen Roma once. So, yeah, me too. And I,
1: I loved it and
0: pay attention to those bookshelves. If you're, <laughs> if you're following along, we we'll talk for an hour and a half happen. about bookshelves. Yeah. I just want to yeah. talk about the the wrestler in the training scene. Yeah. That's uh,
1: awesome.
0: I'm looking forward to it. I might watch it
1: twice. Oh, speaking of which, did you... Do you have Hulu? Yes. Parasite is free on Hulu now. I watched it the other night again. That movie is
0: the fucking bomb. Right? So uh, have you seen the ad for it that they run?
1: I don't think so. It's... <laughs>
0: It's actually, I, I like it. It, it. It's kind of dramatic, but like playfully so. And then at the, the end with one of the only clips of the film in English, which is the mother going, is it okay with you? <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, I don't know. I As far as ads go, I feel like that's a okay one. Um, yeah, so watch Parasite and then watch Roma and then watch Parasite again and then watch Roma again. And then... And-
1: and don't watch the Tiger King. And don't watch again. Tiger King. If you've Please. already
0: seen it, then don't watch it again. Why would you? I can't imagine. Like I'm not a big rewatcher anyway, but I cannot imagine a world in which I'd want to sit and watch all of it again.
1: I, I wanted to not watch any more. When I texted you the other night, I was like, I just really don't want to finish this. I was like...
0: It's like that way, lay lay madness.
1: Not even caught up in the sort of plot of it. I was like, this is just fucking sad.
0: That's the thing, like the whole plot of like, did he hire someone to kill Carol? Bat? who gives a shit? Yeah. Who gives a shit?
1: I'm cynical on these, like uh, on anything that claims to be like nonfiction. that, That is that is entertainment. Uh, like, everyone lost their goddamn mind about that serial podcast, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I finally listened to the first couple of episodes. And I'm like, this is fucking bullshit. It's such, it, it's so, all these documentaries and, and, and true crime stories are so mechanically delayed. It's like, you can just feel the, uh, the, the filmmaker or the, the podcaster kind of, uh, you know, shuffling the the components of the story around to make it as as shocking as possible it's like it's like in the tiger king you don't learn the the whole intro to carol baskin you don't learn about her husband and it's like that's one of the first things you'll see if you like google her and so to delay the the revelation of that information is just just feels dishonest Uh, and and just kind of played for for shock value yeah it's
0: like it's 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 weird because that's how you would structure it if you were like writing a novel right
1: exactly and that's and that's what you want in fiction you want someone to manipulate to to tell a story in the most compelling way and it doesn't matter because it's fiction and, and and you're there to be shocked or entertained or uh have thought provokes thoughts provoked in the most you know interesting way but there's just something dishonest about it when when you call it nonfiction or a documentary or journalism um so i'm i'm a little i'm a little skewed on this
0: that's why peter and the farm is so perfect yeah because it's be, it, like let's, watch, let's just watch let <laughs> do that again because you know peter's like he is a character. Like up there with Joe Exotic, as far as like, you know, weird people out in the world go. But the way he's portrayed is far more naturalistic and it's more sort of on his yeah. terms a little bit.
1: That's an interesting comparison.
0: That, that, I'm going to think about that. Well, in different ways, but they're, they're both big characters, right? It's just sort of like eccentric.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Except, you know, Peter's not a fucking narcissistic sociopath who's crushing Maybe. people in his wake, but. Yeah. It, well, as far as we know, right? Like his right. his ex-wife right. might he have just, something to say about that. Right. He
1: also, Peter on camera says he hates his son, if I recall correctly. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Or maybe we won't.
0: <laughs> yeah. So next week, uh, Roma, stay safe out there. Take up a new hobby. Do something fun. I've been playing darts. That's my new thing.
1: Gensy ordered us uh, an art kit. We're about to get our freaking art on.
0: Yeah, you're gonna do some hand turkeys. I'm not sure. Uh,
1: I don't really have any ideas. I'm just gonna sort of get drunk and let the spirit move me.
0: There you go. That's all we can really do. I mean, <laughs> just all you gotta do is just be covered in his blood. <laughs> yeah, I'm.
1: I've, I've, you know, I'm drinking the sacrament as we speak.
0: Yeah. So, stay safe. Take up a hobby. Watch Roma. Covered in his blood. Thank you. Covered in his blood. Thank you.